helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. On this episode of the Active CEO Podcast, we're doing something for the first time. We're interviewing a dynamic duo who combine the passions and purpose in life with other people all around the world. They may be young, but are very wise when it comes to human development. Their lives involve finding some amazing physical challenges and combining it with helping people improve their mental, emotional, and leadership performance. As founders of Mountains and Marathons, they've had quite different careers. One of the founders was a strength conditioning coach at Essendon Football Club and is a serial entrepreneur founding five companies in the last 10 years. The other founder is passionate about personal development, having spent time with Tony Robbins and the Robbins Medanes training as a strategic intervention coach. She loves consulting, coaching and advising people on how to unlock and optimize their potential. We're about to take you on a roller coaster ride as we explore their amazing foresight and incredible work they're doing with mountains and marathons. Ben and I are on the edge of our seat as we get, to, we get set to introduce and welcome you to our very special guests, Jamin Hippel and Jen Zeigner. Jamin and Jen, welcome to the show. Craig, Ben, really excited to be here. Great to be in the show. Thanks for having us. Excellent. All right, well, Jamin, let, let's start with you. I, I'd like to go back a year in your life and explain what was going on when a little voice in your head was shouting, take a damn break. Slow down a bit, sit, listen, reflect, relax. What was that all about? Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> I guess for me, uh, for me, Craig, I had spent a good period of my 20s um, on the, what I'd describe as the, the, the hamster wheel of the entrepreneurial game, which is kind of uh, doing whatever it takes to avoid a 40-hour week with an 80-hour week. And um, for me, in the in the companies that I had that I'd created, so much of my time, energy, um, and financial resources had had been invested in creating uh, creating initiatives and creating companies that were not only designed to return a um, return a financial investment, but also have a social impact. And for me, contributing to the betterment of my community has always been something that I was incredibly committed to and, and passionate about and I think for a long time actually probably for three years before things sort of really come to a um, uh, I guess the low point for me um, was I was just endlessly trapped or feeling trapped inside of this I have to keep doing this you know my community needs me um, you know what will people say if I stop doing what I'm doing and just continually trapped in the in this story that like things will fall apart if I slow down. And um, for me, ultimately, Craig, where that come to was it was a point where I um, you know, just sort of I sat with myself one evening and um, I really asked myself the question after, after a bit of an emotional point in time. I asked myself the question. I was like, if I could be doing anything in the world right now, what would I be doing? And within five minutes, 
I had this vision of, you know what, I, I don't think I'd be doing what I'd be doing now. I would be running marathons and climbing mountains all around the world. And the moment I got clarity on that, I was like, right, that's, um, that's where my heart is. That's what I want to be doing. That's what I need to be doing. Um, I am the creator of my current uh, of, of my current struggle, my current suffering. I caused all of this. I can be responsible for creating something different. So, all right, I've got the clarity. Let's take action. That's all about having that choice, right? So everyone goes, oh, I'm busy, or they kind of get stuck, as you say, on that hamster wheel. But really, it's just a choice, and it's your decision to say, you know what, this is not how I want to live my life. And you've then got to be able to make that decision to move forward. 100%. Um, and I think that it's easy to forget that we, that everything that is in our life is a choice. And, you know, there are certainly things where life throws the curveballs and whatnot. But the more we don't choose that, the more we resist what is, the more suffering we endure. Um, and fortunately for me, you know, I, I recognized that in that moment that every bit of my suffering was, to, was caused by myself, um, which then ultimately had me go, great. Uh, if, I, if, I chose, if I choose this suffering, I can also choose my way out of it. So, Jamin, I, I guess I'm interested to, you know, you're, you're young and that's very profound and um, very thoughtful. How did you grow up and, and where did, you know, how did these thoughts originate? Yeah, um, so I grew up in a little country town called Lean Gatha, uh, which is about an hour and a half southeast of Melbourne. And I grew up in an incredibly active and sporty family. Um, with my, I'm the eldest of three boys, and my parents, Paul and Anne-Marie, they were two, two local athletes who, who come together, and then uh, they produced one of the most competitive households you could ever imagine. And um, as, as the eldest of three boys... Uh, I mean, so much, so much of what I wanted to do was really, uh, I guess, really make my parents proud, and therefore, so much of what I what I stepped into was um, how can I be the best? Initially, it was probably the best at everything, um, and then over time, that kind of transitioned into how can I be, how can I be the best version of myself? And so, for me, growing up, that predominantly looked like uh, stepping into Aussie rules and. A basketball and netball and, and basically putting my hand up for every leadership opportunity that come my way and so you know stepping into to captaincy of a, of a lot of teams in my younger years and then um, you know SRC and debate team captain and eventually school captain uh, I've always kind of gravitated towards those leadership roles and taking on particular challenges that took me out of my comfort zone and Fortunately for me, I started doing that quite young, which then just sort of ingrained a bit of a habit of uh, of stepping into the discomfort um, and cultivating greater uh, greater ability to be with uncertainty um, quite young. And I think that's sort of probably then what sparked a, um, a bit of an entrepreneurial spur for me. I always aspired to be an elite athlete, um, but after six knee surgeries by the age of 22, uh, I finally let that go um, as a as a pipe dream, and uh, really channeled a lot of my energy that had gone into my sport. I really started to transpire that into how can I be contributing to the betterment of uh, of my communities, and then that ultimately and, led to yeah. So how did how did the community mindness come about? Like you, you talk about being competitive and family environment drove you to be competitive sport and so forth, but the real community minded part of it. Yeah, I guess um, 
you're growing up in a small a small community where so much of the town revolved around revolved around um, sport and and knowing your neighbour. Um, I was always just kind of felt this deeper sense of, of connectedness to uh, to people and recognize the value that bringing community together, bringing people together had on one's greater sense of, of self and well-being. Now, obviously, you know, as a 16-year-old, I might not have been able to articulate it quite that way, but um, I was always sort of um, emotionally or energetically connected to the, to the, the importance of community. And so I think for me, uh, initially when I was around 16, um, I was at a point in my life where I was really inspired to play Aussie rules footy at the top level. Um, and I remember that was at a point in time where I made a choice to step onto the, the track and start training with the seniors. And so this is all the men age 18 to, to 30-ish within Langatha. And I remember there was a moment when uh, the moment I walked out on the track, I just immediately got confronted with a whole bunch of very derogatory language. Um, so whether that was you know, don't, don't be gay or stop being a fag or, um, you know, a lot of sexist remarks. And I remember at that point in time, I was really confronted by that because I was like, well, you know, here I am, all I want to do is play senior footy um, and I need to make sure that I get along with my teammates and be a part of this in order to feel like I can, uh, you know, get a game. But at the same time, I'm like, this is not, I don't want to be anything like you guys. Um, and so that was then kind of what sparked a bit of a, a hunger in me to want to be able to leverage the power of sport initially to be a transform to be a greater transformative agent in grassroots communities. Um, and then that ultimately then transpired into um, me taking part in a in a leadership development program when I was 17 years old, uh, ran by the YMCA Victoria, and that was the first time in my life when there were. Uh, 60 young people aged 16 to 19 all brought together into one space where we spent an entire week just learning about our strengths and weaknesses, our vision for the world, the way in which we wanted to impact our communities. And I remember I come back from that experience so inspired by what I had experienced that I was like, every young person deserves to experience something like this. And as I come back, I was like, how would I get my mates to engage in something like this? And that was the moment when I was like, if we could connect the power of leadership development and the power of sport together into one um, into one organisation, I wonder what that would look like. And so that was kind of the beginning of the foundations of my first organisation called Game Changers Australia, which is effectively leveraging the power of sport for social change. And um, that was, I guess, the beginning for me uh, of stepping into the entrepreneurial space, really looking at how business can be a direct agent for social good. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. So we'll delve into that a little bit later on. Um, Jen, you know, we want to know a little bit about you. So did you, were you in that same kind of headspace that Jamin was, you know, when you, when you felt like you needed to slow down and take a break or, or were you at a different point in time when you came together and, and looked at mountains and marathons as a business? Sure. Um, I'll, I was in quite a different space. Um, I was basically, I have been working in Australia for about two and a half years in the, in the social innovation and impact investing space, which is, which is a topic and area and industry that I'm incredibly passionate about and um, still really committed to. 
And at that time, though, while I loved my job and what I was doing, I was basically working for an organization um, where I was leading a project where we supported social enterprises and impact-driven businesses to raise investment for the first time. And I absolutely loved that role and what we were standing for and what it did in the world. However, I personally noticed that after about a year and a half or two years in the same role, I needed a new challenge. And within that new, uh, and within that smaller organization, I wasn't quite sure where that would go. There wasn't uh, much space for me to grow personally, and also wasn't quite sure what the next step would be. Um, at the same time, I had been supporting. I've been working with about a hundred different, a uh, hundred different organizations, small businesses, over the last um, four or five years, and always had this big passion for entrepreneurship, especially purpose-driven businesses. Yet I had never gone out and started my own. So um, basically, when when we came up with the idea for Martins and Marathons, on one side. I love what it's all about, of course, but you're going to go in more. Um, it was also my personal opportunity to finally go out um, and, and start the business and do something myself in that space and definitely grow a hell of a lot personally. I bet you learned a lot during that time, you know, very scary time when you first go out into the entrepreneurial world and you're now relying on yourself to really drive the income that's coming in to put food on the table. Uh, can you go into a little bit around what that was like for you personally during those, especially that first phase of, of making that step to go, you know what, I'm not gonna work for anyone else now, I'm gonna work for myself. And what was it like transitioning into the first few months? Mm. It, it, kind of, it, it kind of, I think for me personally, was scary to some degree. At the same time, um, I do have to say that, you know, coming to Australia, two and a half years before. At the time I came to Australia, I didn't know a person there. I didn't have um, a long-term visa. I just had a working holiday visa at the time. I had um, not much money in my bank account. So there was already a whole lot of uncertainty. And then I, I spent about a year working for different organizations in, in part-time roles until I finally um, got a sponsorship, right? And then after, after a year later, the sponsorship had to be renewed and there was a whole phase of uncertainty again. So I would definitely say, even though I was coming from um, a full-time job, I definitely had dealt with a lot of uncertainty throughout these years, and that's I think why for me it, it, it wasn't the it wasn't the same as for someone who's leaving like a really stable corporate job, one of the big four, let's say, um, after ten years of working there, which which of course is a massive change. For me, it was a shift. It was a big shift to say, okay, now I'm really 100% myself, together with Jamin, responsible and accountable for bringing in the dollars. If we don't, no one's going to do it. But at the same time, I was definitely very used to, to the levels of uncertainty. So, Jen, that um, situation sounds like it made you really agile as a, a leader and a, a person and a risk taker. Hmm. I would say so. Hmm. I've, as I said, um, living with uncertainty is definitely something um, I've I've gotten used to, and you no, know, even all the years before, um, you may have heard I'm um, I'm originally from Germany. You may have noticed it on the accent, <laughs> and basically over the last over the last eight years or so, I've lived in I've lived in six different countries, um, constantly seeing how I can grow and evolve and explore new things and have new experiences, and so. I had to, I basically chose having to have 
life work in lots of different places and different cultures. Um, for instance, I studied, uh, studied and lived in Cuba for eight months when I was 21, just searching for something that's a completely out of the box and different experience from what I, from what I was used to. So already like in my, in my younger years, in my early, in my early twenties, I was constantly seeking out opportunities to have completely different new experiences. And so I think there have been lots of things in my life where I have started to develop that um, agility, as you say, and resilience at a younger age. So now this is off script a little bit, but I really need to ask the question, how did Jamin and yourself meet and eventually become partners and venture into business? <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, uh, it just sounds like it'll be a good story by the sounds of this. <laughs> yeah, it can't, yeah, it can't yeah. be regular. Please don't tell me you just yeah. met at the coffee shop or something. Yeah, Jen, Jen just pointed at me and, and said, you've got this one. Um, <laughs> so uh, so, um, my, so my ex-business partner, uh, he got invited to, uh, to an event held at Street Coffee in Melbourne, which itself is a phenomenal social enterprise, um, for an event that Jen's organisation Impact Investment Australia was hosting to launch a new uh, a new grant that was all about uh, supporting social enterprises to really level up to become uh, investment ready, and uh, I got invited along with my business partner as the plus one, and I remember walking into the into the the venue, and um, we sort of arrived just as things were kicking off, and I saw this really cute girl. Uh, get up to, to to welcome everybody and um, and get things started. I was like, oh, she's pretty cute. And then, um, sure enough, you know, the, the the formalities closed and it was just moved to kind of the networking stage of the event. And uh, and you know, this cute blonde girl was was doing the rounds and um, and connecting with different people. And then my business partner, uh, he introduced me to Jen. And um, you know, I was like, oh, this is this is nice. And uh, let's have this moment <laughs> of, of personal interaction and. Things were um, things were going well, and then it got about fifteen to twenty minutes into the conversation, and it shifted away from work and got into personal conversation quite quickly. And I had this flickering thought that was like, Jen definitely should have moved on to speak to other people <laughs> by now. I reckon she might be interested. Anyway, this is just my like egotistical mind going. I think I'm in with a chance here. <laughs> and so, um, and so, my business partner he came up to me and said, "Jamin, look, we got to get going." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, mate. Look, I really want to take Jen on a date." He's like, "Yeah, no worries. Um, look, I've got her on Facebook. I'll introduce you guys. You can take it from there." And I'm like, "Awesome. Thanks for your support, man. I'm gonna do it my way." And so then I've just gone up to Jen. I've gone, "Hey, listen, Jen. I've really enjoyed connecting tonight. Do you mind if I grab your number? I'd love to take you on a date." To which Jen's gone, yeah, sure. And I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> the number. Hunter and I, we leave. We go and sit down for dinner. By the time dinner arrived on the table, I'd already messaged Jen. We'd lined up a date for Sunday night. And then, um, and then I show Hunter and he goes, oh, well played, mate. And, uh, <laughs> Better than the in, Facebook in, play. Yeah, in which moment I look down at my feet and I'm like, crap, forgot my bag. So then I had to stand up and then walk back into the venue where I'd just met Jen, where she was cleaning up. And then here I awkwardly come in and go, oh, hey, look, forgot my bag. Grab the bag. It's so convenient. Walk back out. And then, you know, I was like, man, that was not the smooth, that was not the smooth move that I was intending on making. But um, I guess she was probably getting a bit more of an insight into what she was signing up for uh -huh. from the get-go. Very much so. Yeah, <laughs> so. So we can kind of gather you, you, you're, you're explorers and you're, you know, you, you love just kind of throwing yourselves out there. So let's, um, 
let's delve into mountains and marathons. You know, what is it? How does it work? And uh, what's it doing to change people's lives? Mm, awesome. Um, so, so mountains and marathons. It's a leadership company that supports people to develop greater clarity, courage, and confidence through taking on a six-month leadership program that centers around epic physical challenge, such as running a marathon or climbing a mountain. Now, specifically, what it does is it it really looks at the individual and their leadership as a at, in its entirety. And really focusing on not just like business performance, but really how do you level up in all areas of life that are important to you, including your health, including your uh, your family life, including your mental and emotional well-being, and ultimately developing the whole person inside of this six-month uh, structured program. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, these uh, these culminate in these epic physical challenges that are delivered in a face-to-face capacity because. The events that we choose, uh, particularly with the marathons, a particular uh, uh, already exist somewhere in the world. So, for example, we have our Two Oceans Road Marathon, um, Two Oceans Marathon Leadership Program coming up uh, in the event, the retreat itself taking place in six months' time, um, but the leadership program literally starting next week. And the leadership program takes place virtually and online, but ultimately all the members of this program will come together from all around the world and meet face-to-face in South Africa to take part in the marathon retreat when we arrive in, um, in April next year. So, so where are these locations? You know, can you explain a bit more about some of the other locations that you're going to? Because I know there's some pretty damn cool spots that you've been to. <laughs> Absolutely, and we definitely chosen. We definitely chosen, um, especially with, with the marathons, the, the ones that aren't your standard ones, because there's lots of, lots of normal marathons out there, and we chose the, we chose the other ones. <laughs> so personally, um, we basically looked at what would it look like to to do this on every continent, right? If we can really ourselves, but also offer for our members to go to any continent they want to. And so what we've done so far, we've just finished our um, first program in Patagonia. So we did the Patagonia International Marathon Leadership Program. Right now we are in the midst of our Kilimanjaro program. The next one is Javen just started um, Two Oceans Marathon, which is an ultra marathon, 56 kilometers um, in South Africa. And then we go to the Great Wall of China. So we're actually going to run a marathon on the Great Wall of China with about 15 to 20,000 steps um, in between. And what do we have come, coming up after that? Mont Blanc? We go to Mont Blanc, which... Um, Actually, last year, Jamin and I, we participated in the Mont Blanc Marathon, which was our second marathon, and a bit of a crazy thing to take on for a second marathon, to be honest. took Jamin seven hours, me nine hours. Um, But what we didn't do in that time um, was to actually climb Mont Blanc, and we really fell in love with the the Chamonix region and the French Alps. It's an absolutely extraordinary place in the world and one of the most beautiful ones we've been to so far. And so we said, let's actually build a leadership program around that and take a group of people there and go back with Mm -hmm. our members. Um, And then next year, other than that, we have coming up the San Francisco Marathon. We go to Everest Space Camp. We come back home to the Melbourne Marathon. Have I forgotten one in between? No, that's, that's it. it. And yeah. then we'll finish, then <laughs> we'll finish in then Melbourne. We'll, fin- we'll finish in Melbourne and then that will complete uh, the programs that were planned up until this point. Yeah. I, I just love the fact that you've created this leadership and this business and this vision around your 
your passion and your desire to go out and run different marathons in, in different locations and adventures, it's, it's a full credit and something that you don't hear of very often. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, from, from our perspective, it really, it really has come from uh, a place of inquiry within our own, within our own personal lives and, and having, I guess, the central question being, if we were to live our most values-aligned life, how would our life be different? And, you know, taking that from both a personal perspective where Jen and I recognized that we really wanted to, you know, we were relatively new in our relationship when we, when we created this, there was an intention for us to really, you know, what would it look like to, to have this journey kind of um, uh, formulate and, and cultivate and create our relationship and our future together, as well as enable us to transform our own physical lives and, and, and become people we never thought we could be. Uh, and then at the same time, enable other people to do the same. And so leveraging some of our core values of, of courage and of adventure and of uh, integrity and of contribution, a lot of these core themes which are inherent within our, within our own personal values as well as our relationship values, we're like, how would a business look if we were to really live live? Uh, live in alignment with our values through a business um, and you know it's it's sort of gone through a number of different iterations but ultimately we're, we're, we're sort of in the the honing phase now where we're getting where we've got a lot more clarity on exactly um, how this works and, and how we best operate um, operate this this company that really does serve people to to transform their lives as we as we do for ourselves so you know, it's obviously that whole thing around the more you give leads to the more you get. And, you know, you're obviously living proof of that where you're putting so much into other people and helping them. But at the same time, you're getting a lot out of it because it's transforming your life as well. Mm -hmm. so, Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's, you know, let's, I want to go a little bit deeper into the leadership aspects and that development of that in the mountains and marathons. You know, what you know, apart from the actual physical challenges and, and climbing the mountains or doing the marathons, what stands apart and what's different about your leadership program that, you know, will, that really changes people's lives? Hmm. I think I would first start with what we mean when we say leadership, right? Because um, I believe that with the mountain marathons, we have a bit of a broader view around leadership than what you would often associate it with. So for us, um, leadership doesn't come with a title on your business card or a promotion or with having a certain size of a team that you're guiding within an organization. Um, for us, leadership really is a choice that you're making and a commitment to seeing and developing the potential in other people and situations, no matter who you are and what kind of like professional role you're in. And we really see that, you know, if we look at, broader picture of the world right now, we actually really believe that we need more leaders in the world, people who take on um, contributing that potential in people and situations independent of of who they are and, and which organization that, that they're working for. So that's the first one, and which basically also means that the people we're working with Sometimes they are like really leaders in the traditional sense in their organization and they may have a really high corporate role, but they, that's not always the case. And, and we really welcome everyone who themselves says, okay, I want to develop as a leader in my own right. Now, um, underlying, the, 
underlying the the whole structure of our program is basically the hypothesis: Can you leverage? Um, can you leverage an epic physical challenge in doing something that you didn't think you could do to transform all other areas of your life? Right. That was basically what it was all about. So it's not just about um, we're doing this leadership program and then at the end. We also happen to be running a marathon or climbing a mountain. It's actually how can we leverage everything that's coming up in the pursuit of something that you've never done before in order to develop personally and to become the people who we want to become. And in the and, and in that process, we really look at all kinds of different areas of life. Yes, we look at how you're leading your team and how you're showing up in your job. But if there's something else in the way, you know, if, if, if there's a, a relationship with the sibling that's really painful and unresolved, we go to work on that. Um, obviously, the, the, there's a big aspect around the around the whole physical side and the and the, and, and yeah, and the physical well-being and fitness that we're working on. So it's a really holistic approach to developing the whole person. No, that's a it's a great approach. And have, have you got any real? Some, some impressive kind of success stories you've had so far that you can share, you know, where did the person start, where are they now, and, and what was kind of the real key intervention that has led to them catalyzing their change? Yeah, I think um, probably drawing upon the, the recent completion of the Patagonia Marathon Leadership Program would be the best one to go there. We um, <clears throat> had a couple of our, one of, one of our members in particular, um, he, uh, you know, organisational psychologist and and very, um, you know, renowned within within his, his work as a consultant um, based in Australia. He uh, one of the reasons that he signed up was because he'd recently been through uh, a divorce with his wife, and he, you know, and, and I'd personally supported him through a bit of the, the 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 challenging points in time as that was taking place and. You know, when we put out the Patagonia International Marathon Leadership Program, he uh, he said, Jamin, look, I don't know what this is going to take. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm committed to moving into this next chapter of my life. And that was kind of the intention that he brought into it. And the beauty the beauty of, of how the program unfolded was as he continued to show up day after day uh, doing the training specifically for the marathon, we were also having our weekly uh, coaching calls that were enabling us to, yes, talk about how his general well-being was, um, both mentally and emotionally and physically, but then also talk about just some of those other unresolved areas of his life. And um, and ultimately, for him, uh, where that where that landed was him really being able to get to a point of forgiveness for what took place in his relationship and uh, ultimately start to get to work on um, moving into forgiving himself for some of the uh, the breakdowns in the relationship. And what that then ultimately conspired into was him really beginning to, to recognise some other relationships in his life that he'd perhaps let slip over, the, over time or, you know, hadn't really enabled the deepest possible level of connection with some of his closest mates uh, to take place. And so he began to really focus on those areas that, you know, when, we, when you ask people what are the important the important parts of your life uh, and he really distinguished the relationships as one for him and he's like okay cool I've got kind of career down but there are definitely some other areas that I want to focus on and for him he really channeled a lot of his energy in the program into cultivating amazing relationships um, so that's one example another is uh, another is a woman who was in a job she thought she thought she loved 
um, and 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 it kind of gave her a lot of great sort of social recognition and social status, uh, and something that she loved to kind of like talk about in a public uh, environment. But when she really sat with herself and asked the question, like, "Is this what I really want to be doing?" Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of initial resistance, she eventually got to the point about halfway through the program and said, "You know what? This just isn't a values alignment for me, and this isn't what I want to be doing anymore." And so she went through a, a journey of uh, recognizing, okay, if that's not what I want to do, what do I want to do? And then, you know, made the move to then hand in the letter of resignation and then step into the, by the end of the program, um, have, have, was planning the next chapter of her life and what that was going to look like. Um, mm. Or another example is, um, is, is a, a man who's in our Mount Kilimanjaro leadership program. Now, I know we're only seven weeks in, um, but he is, uh, he, he's, uh, very, very overweight, six foot six, 190 kilos and, um, and recognized that there was a lot in his life where he's made choices that have ultimately led to him being in this state of health. And he's really connected to what's possible inside of dealing with not only his health, but also perhaps some of the other emotional challenges that he's faced over the years and begin to confront those, um, and pull them out from under the bed. And, uh, and actually get real power in his life through pursuing the, uh, the ultimate epic, epic physical challenge of, of getting to the roof of Africa. Yeah, wow. It, it's evident to me that your, um, your program is a real mind, body, and soul type program, and you guys really engage and buy into, or not, shouldn't say buy into it, but you really engage fully with the program. I guess my next question is, how do you both bring your A-game to running your programs what what makes um you guys tick and drive to keep it going Hmm. so one of the one of the key um distinctions and things that we that that we teach in our programs is the concept of integrity right which we simply define as doing what you say you would do and for us personally as coaches you know we know that every single day we have to show up in alignment with what we would like, how we would like our members to show up and better, which basically means that if we ask our members or tell them to stick to the training plan that they have, you know, or tell them to have hard conversations, we cannot afford to miss a single training session ourselves. And when we come up um, in a certain relationship that we have in our lives where a conversation is to be had, we cannot afford not to do that because as we get on those coaching calls, you know, every single time, if we ask them to do something, we have to we have to have integrity within ourselves mm-hmm. and know that we can ask them to do that because we show up as, as these people and as these kinds of people as well. And I've actually noticed, you know, we had um, we had we, we had a couple of weeks between our first and our second program just then, and I've actually noticed that. I allowed myself to to slip a little bit in a few areas and I noticed that as soon as our new program started again and we were coaching others again, uh, I had a way stronger pull to live in full integrity myself and align with my values because I knew that if I don't do that, there's no way I can ask our members to do it and to be the coach I want to be. So for me, really, every single day when I get out and do a workout or do any of those other sometimes uncomfortable things, I don't just do it for myself, mm. but I do it just as much for our members. And sometimes I would 
And sometimes potentially I wouldn't do it if it was just for me, but I do it because I know I do it for them as well, even though they will never know whether I've done it or not. Um, you know, and other than that, when it comes to when it comes to um, staying on top of our game, I think what we, what we always come back to is that we have basically designed a company that requires us to to do what we love to do, you know. So our, our business requires us to always stay physically fit and healthy. Like if we if we don't train, and if we, <laughs> if we don't get fit for the ultra marathon, it's going to make a bit of uh, of a bad impression <laughs> on the business. It's going to be a very long day. <laughs> it this business. So um, yeah, it, we literally can't hide it, right? So yeah. it, it really does require, it. and and that's the beauty of it, and that's what we love because like business life, it, it's not two separate things right it's all the same thing and I believe when people can really find a way um, to 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 do business in a way that it requires them to live in alignment with their values and be in integrity that's just a really beautiful thing I love hearing the authenticity and the and the genuinity of of what you're doing and, and how you're speaking so we all know smart people have great answers but the best people have great questions so when was the last time you did something for the first time and we want um, both answers here from both of you yeah yeah my my initial response is uh start a company that declares that we're going to run a marathon on every continent um i haven't done that before no um, <laughs> wouldn't be too many people that boat either yeah yeah um i think the one that the one that really comes to mind, I think, you know, as we're traveling the world, there's lots of there's lots of little firsts, um, particularly for me, uh, having spent, you know, pretty much 28 years of my entire life only in Australia to um, now be traveling the world and having a go at Spanish and, you know, a few other things. There's, there's like lots of little things. But I think the main one that probably comes to mind, guys, is um, Jen. Jen has always been a, a, a very passionate uh, Latin dancer and specifically of the uh, the domain of bachata and uh, when we when we were dating uh, in the early days uh, <laughs> Jen said I really want to get back into bachata to which you know that just brought back flashbacks of my year 11 debutante ball <laughs> and how much and how much of two left feet I actually have and I was like oh god what does this mean and um you know, and, and surely enough, you know, Jen's like, no, no, let's do it, let's do it. And so I, you know, to a degree, reluctantly said, right, I, let's let's give this a go. And next thing you know, I'm looking at myself in a mirror trying to move these hips that, you know, all, all, all they've ever experienced is a thousand sit-ups and a lot of planks but not much mobility. Um, and, uh, and there I am learning how to, to bachata dance. And uh, surely enough, you know, it's an eight-week course and each week Jen and I would show up for the two-hour session and, you know, could gradually see improvement. But at the end of the eight-week course, they have the, uh, the the dance studio that we're at, have the have the – the bit where they invite all the members of the studio to come together and uh, effectively kind of show off the choreographed dance you'd learn across the course of the eight weeks. <laughs> the dancing and, uh, with the stars bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, so this studio, it's been running for a few years and there's beginner, intermediate and advanced classes and they invite all their members to come along. And the uh, the week before this particular, the, the Dancing with the Stars event, they ask the question, um, so who's going to be there? And, you know, so there was 12 in the class and six of us put our hands up and go, great. Um, awesome. Well, you guys will be able to, to, to showcase uh, what you've learned here to all the other members. And so sure enough, like Jen and I roll in a Sunday later and I walk in there and I'm looking around just trying to find some familiar faces. And I'm like, okay, I know Jen. 
and I know the dance instructors. I don't know anybody else. And then Liz, the lead instructor, gets up and she goes, so we're going to start with beginner bachata. And then here's Jen and I. Like, I'm just sitting there like my, my heart is pounding. Like, I'm like, I haven't been this nervous since like pretty much since my debutante ball like 10 years ago. And, uh, and sure enough, we get up there and we're the only ones. There's 40 people watching. We're the only ones up there. And I'm just like, I was packing myself. And so... In that moment, I'm just like, all right, this one, this one's going on the record is like, okay, it's embracing discomfort, stepping into vulnerability. It's going to be over soon and you're going to be a better human because of it. Just do. It was all for love. Show up, Peps. Just show up. And uh, Jen, for you? Yeah. It's such a good question. I feel like there's there's so many there's so many small firsts that we're encountering all the time, especially because we're constantly in new in new places and so on. But one that's really coming to mind for me, a recent one that was quite a scary one is, and we were in Argentina, um, as we said, in this um, house sitting in this beautiful place, a bit in the middle of nowhere. So really in this tiny tiny village, and behind our house basically was just more or less desert, desert rocks, heaps of cactus, um, and a lot of like, yeah, just a lot of dryness and a lot of hills. And one day, Jamie and I, we went out for a hike, and we get to this, um, basically, we get to this rock wall, and there was the option to just like basically walk a whole way back and move around it, or we could move up that wall. And so I'm personally, I have a, I've always, as long as I can, as long as I can remember really, have had a real fear of climbing and I've just never climbed anything. I've just always avoided it. And so I'm standing there looking up there um, and looking at Jamie and Jamie goes, should we have a go? And for him, it's not an issue at all, right? For him, it's just a thing that he does but nearly every day when he goes out there into those hills. And I'm like, yeah. Let's give it a go. And so I start scrambling up the wall, slowly putting one foot in front of um, in front of the other, and trying to cautiously like grab my hands in the stones, and everything's all right. And and then suddenly I just I'm not even sure what it was, but I'm on this wall, and there's this split second of a moment where I remember how scared I actually am of that. So it wasn't even anything in that moment that was so scary, but I suddenly thought, oh, I've always got this fear of of um, climbing up walls. Okay, and, and after two or three seconds, that was good again. And then about 30 seconds later, I'm literally hanging on this wall. It's not even a specifically tricky place or so, but I'm hanging on this wall, standing there, and without even thinking, like basically it's, it's a bit <laughs> as if I had like a an, an emotional uh, – a neurological shutdown and I suddenly stand there, this massive wall of fear floods over me and I just start crying. And I'm there, I'm crying in an absolute critter state. I'm like, Jamin, I don't know what to do. I'm so scared. I'm just looking down there. I'm like, I, I don't know how to go up. I don't know how to go down. I don't know how to do anything. Um, and that was a really tough moment to overcome. Unfortunately, um, Jamin really got in that moment that it was quite serious for me. Like he knew that there wasn't any actual like danger in that situation. But um, he did get that for me. Like in my brain, something was something was off. 
and really like slowly coached me through getting my composure back and I think after maybe five minutes or so I, I had calmed down a little bit and slowly started making moves forward and then and then everything was good again a couple of minutes later we were standing um, on top of the the rock wall but that was an interesting one because I was I was going yep I can do this you know and and I, and I generally have developed this attitude towards life um, starting with the first marathon but then many other things of just trying new things and like being courageous and having the fear be there and still doing it and in that moment it really hit me how how deep sometimes like the the fear is still within me um, mm. and I felt quite proud of of, of having overcome that and yeah so, so Jen. Uh, is that still a fear for you? Can you climb things now? It's an interesting one. I haven't tried since then. <laughs> it was only a few weeks back, um, but it's actually something I love to. I love to um, to work with more because it, it it's likely going to be something that's going to come up more as we're climbing mountains, etc. As well. well, I think so. Yeah. Since the company's names, marathon and mountains, <laughs> it's going to happen sometime here. Yeah. Look, a bit more exposure therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I mean, sharing your vulnerabilities, discussing your fears, but you know, really talking about that, taking that step from where you were in life to going, you know what, I'm going to transform both myself and a whole lot of people, and let's do it in a really, really cool way and something unique and different that no one else is doing. Your energy is really infectious, and uh, we could talk to you for hours. It's, it's, it's just so much fun, and so really, really enjoy it. So thank you very much for sharing your story, your whole, um, the ideas and the, and the reasons and the purpose for Mountains and Marathons, which I know are going to change a lot of people's lives in many, many ways. So um, just thank you so much for what you're doing, and, and it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Awesome. Likewise, it was Thanks. a great pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> no, we really thank, enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you very much, and we wish you luck with everything that you're going to do. Our active CEO wellness tip for this episode is about being stuck for time and how do you make the most of um, the time that you do have in your day? Oh, how many people sit in traffic and congestion and just getting frustrated and they're getting stressed before they even get to work and they've just wasted a whole lot of time where if they'd maybe take a road to work or run to work, they'd probably get there at the same time or maybe 10 minutes later, but they've actually combined two things at once. They've been really you know, smart about the way they're living their life. Yeah, exactly. And you, you hear that classic one all the time about maybe get off the bus a stop or two earlier. Uh, so you're still commuted into work, but you're also just making sure that your activity level is up for the day and you're staying um, moving uh, the entire time. It allows you to declutter a little bit yep. as well and clears your mind and you, you know, you're thinking, uh, you might be able to think about a strategy or, or a way you're gonna approach a meeting that day or even when you're coming home, it's, you can go, all right, well, there's my chance to wrap up what I did today, clear that out. So when I walk inside that house, I'm on my A game for yeah, my family. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing worse than, than coming home and continually thinking about the day's problems it had at work and trying to engage with the family correctly. So that ability to declutter on the way um, rather than just be time poor is really important. Can use it as that light switch, switch on, switch off, and ready for your next you know, phase of your life that day. Yep, absolutely. So been a really energizing show today, a lot of fun. Uh, it is great talking to Jarman and, and Jen, you know, just a ball of energy. Um, it's in, 
contagious the energy wasn't it oh absolutely uh, to have them both um on the the same vibe uh it, it was just really heartening to listen to and certainly something that um, people would really hopefully people really gel to yeah what a great what a great way to develop that leadership skills it's taking on a physical challenge it's it's testing yourself and your ability and the emotions that come out the the things that you start to discover about your character and the way you cope in different situations can really transfer across the way you lead not only in the workplace but also family and other aspects of your life yeah, some of those examples that Jamin gave us uh, were really, you know, life-changing. Uh, so that this course was really um, moving people away from what they might have experienced in the past, made them really think about where they currently were and how they wanted to go forward in their life. Um, life-changing moment, really. I oh, talked about some great locations to go to as well. Patagonia, Mont Blanc. Yeah. Wow, you know, um, just to go see those great, places. Yeah, Great Wall of China, they're going to run a marathon there. Um, in, up into South Africa for an ultra marathon. Really just uh, iconic locations and they're, they're out there living and breathing it. Oh man, I can see you strapping on your shoelaces now, putting on your shoes, getting your shoelaces tied up. So we might see Ben Gath calling a mountains to marathons in the future. Might have to wait till tomorrow morning on that one, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the Active CEO podcast with the ordinary don't belong. Join the active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to Perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to Perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.